John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36, hear then the reading of God's word. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, and they said, we are the offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? Jesus answered them and he said, truly, truly, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham and yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Read too far. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come this morning on this rainy day, and even as the rain comes down to the earth, may your word, may your spirit saturate our souls, teach us, set us free, let the Son, by the Spirit, according to your grace, set us free as the children of God, for we ask and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus has been preaching and teaching, which is what Jesus does through the book of John. There's more of Jesus' words. If you look at the Gospels, there are more red letters. If you've got that kind of a Bible in John than anywhere else, you've got whole chapters of Jesus teaching and preaching and dialoguing with the crowd. And John has been, uh, Jesus has been teaching throughout this chapter. He started this section, if you remember back in the day, in verse 12, where he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. And then he's interacted with them over this, this testimony about himself and who he is and what he is able to do for those who would follow him. And he has pressed through this dialogue as they've wrestled with Jesus' identity, and it turns out then in verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Jesus' response to their faith and their belief wasn't to to simply uh, rejoice and congratulate them on this uh, achievement that they've made, but rather Jesus immediately what he does is is he calls them to a deeper and a truer discipleship, to a full discipleship in what it means to to believe in him and to follow him. And he makes this distinction, the distinction that the Scripture makes, really from the beginning to the end, Old Testament and New. The distinction between merely believing doctrines that are true about God, true about Jesus, and actually trusting and following God in the Old Testament, Jesus, God in the New Testament. Right? The distinction between merely believing doctrines which... It's a very common thing, and everybody does it at one level or another, the distinction between believing doctrines and actually trusting and following Jesus Christ. Abiding, as he says and calls it, abiding in his word. Or as he'll say in John 14 and 50, abiding in him, which is to abide in his word. Because there are many who will nod their heads and they will say true, true to things that Jesus says. There happens every day. Many nod their heads and say, true, true. But there are far fewer than who bow the knee and follow Jesus, truly 
giving their lives to Christ. He says in Matthew chapter 7, you know, another gospel on another day, Jesus says this. It's there in your bulletin. I threw a lot of verses in your bulletin because Friday I was quite disorganized. So, uh, so the, the, the fruit of disorganization is you've got a whole bunch of stuff in there, and, and the fruit of it is half of those I'm not going to refer to, and I'm going to refer to others that aren't in there. So, but go ahead. The three points are there, and, uh, and about half of the things that I want to refer to are in there. But Matthew 7, I believe, made it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right? That's the distinction between believing doctrines and actually trusting and following Christ. He says, not everyone who believes doctrines and nods their heads and says, yes, yes. Right? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom. He says, so who's going to enter it? But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, the will of his Father, which is, which is embodied in his word. If you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples. You truly will enter into the kingdom. It's not enough to intellectually assent to certain things. To the truth of his words, one must actually surrender themselves to Christ and to his word, to abide in him, and to abide in his word as Savior and King, and to enter into the kingdom of heaven as citizens changed and transformed people who think differently and live differently because they abide in a word of Christ, the word of heaven, the word of God that is not the word of our culture. And so he says in 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. To abide in his word means a couple of things. It means to abide in the truth about who he is and what he came to do. In this context, it's, it's abide in my word. I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. You'll have light. You'll have life. And But I think in the fullness of abiding in that word about who Jesus is and what he does is when he finishes his mission, that ultimately it's to believe that Jesus is who he said he was and did what he said he would do. And that is we trust that on the cross, Jesus died for our sins to set us free from its condemnation and its power. That Jesus is a savior, right? It's to abide in the word of the gospel, that Jesus came to redeem and to save. But it also means, as I was just saying, it means answering the call to follow and to obey. To believe and to obey is every word. The true mark of a follower of Jesus, and sometimes I don't know why we don't get this. It's funny in the church today because I sit down with, you know, with followers of Jesus. You know, the true mark of a follower of Jesus is that they follow Jesus. Now, it's funny, but I'm just telling you what, I'll sit down with people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and then they say, well, I'm going to go do this. And I say, brother, the Bible clearly says, Jesus clearly says, that's wrong. You know, the Bible clearly says, don't go that way. If you go that way, you're not following Jesus, right? If you do that, you're not following Jesus. Say, well, you know, basically we do what we want to do. In other words, do we not see the disjunction? The mark of a follower of Jesus is that they follow Jesus. They abide in his words. They submit to his words. They bend the knee to him as king. And his word is, in a sense, their law, their life, their desire, their passion. Jesus said in John 14, and we'll get to here in a number of probably months, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love, if you believe, faith and love result in 
following in obedience. And so, verse 32, he says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He says, if you obey my word, if you abide in my word, if you abide in me, he says, that you will, you will come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. That means as we follow Jesus, as we walk with him and love him and listen to his words and obey his words and embody his word, and even when I want to go that way, but his word says go that way, I follow Jesus, you know, we come to know him and to love him in ways that you could never understand if you didn't follow him and you kept going the wrong way, following our will instead of his, our lordship instead of his. He says, if, you, if the son sets you free as you know him and love him, you are free indeed. But the crowd doesn't respond well to this statement. It seems like a great one in a, in a sense. That, you know, what's the problem here? As soon as they hear it, they're put off. Right? In verse 33, they answer him and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. So why are you telling us that we'll become free? Like, we're already free. You know, and I read a bunch of commentaries, you know, I read some stuff on this, and everybody kind of dances around themselves. How can possibly a Jew at this stage in history claim that they've never been enslaved to anybody? Right, I mean, just think of Jewish history. When have they not been enslaved? Right, when have they not been in servitude to somebody else? I mean, Abraham's grandchildren and children and grandchildren were in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. They no sooner get delivered from that, they have a little golden period and then just bring in the Assyrians and come the Babylonians and Babylonian captivity and Persians, probably Romans within earshot of this whole conversation, armed Romans. What do they mean? I think maybe for once in their lives, these guys are actually thinking religiously, spiritually. You know, for once in their lives, perhaps they are actually thinking religiously spiritually, we are free. They think of themselves religiously as the world's elite. No one has got anything on them religiously. They are the people of God. They know the one true God. They have the prophets. They have the word of God. And all of this is true in one sense. They have a lot of religious advantages and a, and a knowledge of the true God. But Jesus then drops the bombshell on them. Because Jesus says all this being partially true. And what we'll see next week is he's going to say even those things aren't entirely true. They're going to talk about who their father is. Jesus disputes with them on whether it's really Abraham or not. But that's another story for another day. Ostensibly that's true. That they're children of Abraham. In 34 Jesus drops a bomb and says, Truly, truly I'm saying to you my friends, Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, leaders of the Jewish people, everyone who commits sin is a slave. To sin. Listen up, guys. You sin, you're slaves to it. Sin is a form of spiritual slavery, and everyone sins. And he says, Even you, you sons of Abraham, are in bondage, whether you know it or not. Paul makes this argument throughout Romans 1 to 3 in verse 9. Chapter 3, Paul says this, I believe it is in your bulletin. He says, we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. See, the Jews like to think of it that the Greeks and the Gentiles, the pagan dogs, they're under sin for sure. But not us. 
Right? And Jesus' argument and his disciples and Paul after him is to say he's making the charge, Jesus is making the charge right here that Jews and Greeks alike are under sin's thumb, in bondage to its power and its penalties. Right? And so Jesus regularly goes after these Jewish leaders, I mean, challenging their self-righteous attitude. You just got to read the Gospels, read any of the four, and Jesus' interaction with this group. He goes after them again and again, coming after this sense of their self-righteous, that they're not like the pagans. They're not like those Gentiles. They're better. But, you know, Matthew 23, I think I did this in your bulletin, 25, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And this is one everybody knows, but there, there are dozens. Where he says, you guys, you're hypocrites, right? You clean the outside of the cup but the, and the plate, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. What is he saying? You're outwardly religious, and that's great. You have this outward public form of morality, but you're not righteous. Your hearts are governed by the same greed and the same self-indulgence that you condemn in everybody else. Your hearts are as black as the guy next to you. And then even where they succeeded in outward righteousness, the problem was that where they succeeded in outward righteousness, how they felt about it, their hearts were blackened by a sense of spiritual pride and holier-than-thou self-righteousness. 2 Peter 2.19 is not written about them specifically. But I believe it applies to them, and it could have been written about them specifically. They promise freedom because Jesus talks about the Pharisees going across the world to make disciples, you know, in their way. And he says, and you make a disciple and you make him twice the son of hell that you are. An interesting statement for them, a powerful statement. But he says, it's in the same way, they promise freedom. They go to make disciples, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. The inside of the cup is not clean. For whatever overcomes a person, he says, to that he is enslaved. Whatever rules the heart is the true master. If we would understand this, brothers and sisters, as believers, and truly have a sense of what goes on inside of us. He says, whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Whatever rules the heart is the true master. Many of us can point to things in our lives that have as much or more rule and control over our hearts and our attitudes and our patterns and behaviors and our habits and our hobbies than abiding in His Word. We're in bondage when anything or anyone reigns in the heart beside God Himself. So let's define freedom here quickly then. Get to this stage of it, Jesus is promising freedom. We should define it at this point. There are a lot of definitions that float around there. And they apply to different things because there's political freedom and there's other kinds of freedom. The street definition of freedom is basically the ability to do whatever I want. That's freedom. The ability to do, and that's true in one sense. That's philosophically, that's true. The problem with human beings, though, is this. It's, it, it is exactly that. Freedom is the ability to do whatever we want. The problem with human beings is what we want. Because that's what we do. And it's wrong. Right? We want the wrong things. The heart wants the wrong things. And we're, we do, freedom is doing what we want, and we want all the wrong things. But here's the thing. Freedom, biblically speaking, freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. That's our problem. That's how we get into bondage. 
to sin. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want. Freedom is the ability to do what is right. Biblically speaking, that's what Jesus is saying here. It's what the Bible says from the beginning of end. A person is not free unless he's freely doing what is right in the eyes of God, before God, according to his word. Right? Think about that for a minute. I mean, Jesus is saying when you obey sin, you're not free. That's exactly, if you walk out these doors into the culture, they'll say you're not free unless you're doing whatever you want. Like, don't tread on me. Don't, don't put limits on me. Don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Tolerance is when you approve everything I do or you're not being tolerant. There is this whole thing, I'm not free, I'm not tolerated unless I can do anything I want and you say it's okay. That's freedom. But the Bible, Jesus is saying right here, you are a slave and not free. When you do those things. And why is that? Because the biblical worldview. It's all in, in how you see the world. See if you are created in the image of God. Right? If you are created in the image of God to live under God. And to live according to God's design and God's purpose. Which is all according to his nature and who he is. If we were created like that it changes everything. If we were created to know and to love and to serve the God who made us. And to, to serve anything else is slavery. We're not free to know and love the very purpose for which we were created. Let me give an example. This is one that helped me, and you probably have already heard it. But when I was a young believer, and I, I, I think it's a good one, you know, the whole fish that wants to be free, right? So you got this, I don't know, let's make him a marlin because they're big and I love their... Is it a marlin? We got the... <clears throat> and he's in the ocean, and he's got, you know what, the vast expanses. You know, two-thirds of the world is ocean, and, he's, and he swims, and he sees, you know, this beautiful underworld coral environment with everything and he swims but every now and then he gets close to shore and he sees people out there walking around and laying on the sand you know and having a good time and he thinks I want to do that right I'm not free you know I'm bound and he starts to feel the the vast oceans as 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 binding like I don't I want to be able to do what I want to do I want to be able to do what they're doing I want to lay on the sand in the sun you know, then I will be free. And so one day he gets his big wave. One of those, you know, storm brings up a wave and he catches the wave and he literally rides it in. And Marlins leap out onto the sand and he plops down onto the ground. And there he is on the sand in the sun. And let me ask you, is that fish free? That fish is dead. Right? Because he wasn't made for that. He has now become a slave to something he was never made. He can't get back. He's now a slave to something he was never made for. It's not his design. He was created, we're created designed to live according to God's purposes. And we find freedom and we find joy when we live out the purposes of our creation. And as the world ba- abandons the worship of the Creator and as they abandon His design and they do whatever they want, the question is, is that freedom? Is that fish free? And the problem is a heart problem. We don't want the right things. And that's why we're enslaved to them. See, we're enslaved to the things we love. Right? Just think about that. Because, I mean, people do crazy things for love. People kill for love. Right? And there, there's a saying, we are enslaved to the things we love. And our problem is what we love. It's a heart problem. 
And we don't love the right things, and so we don't live according to God's design. Jeremiah 17 tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked, who can know it? We can't change our own hearts. We're trapped in the current. Imagine being on an inner tube going down the, the river that leads to Niagara Falls. That would be exhilarating. Right? That river picks up speed and you're on an inner tube and you're heading down and you think this is wild and free. Right? I've broken restraints. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Right? And he doesn't know how trapped he is in a way that leads to death until he turns his little inner tube around and starts to try to paddle upstream. And he's caught in the, the current. And the Bible says that's the way it is. We can't change our own hearts. We can paddle upstream. But, you know, we want what we want. We love what we love. And we're, we're trapped in ourselves. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard change his spots? Jeremiah 13 I I can assume, and he says, you who are accustomed to doing evil, can you do good? He says, in the same way that a leopard could change his spots or a person could change the color of their skin, we're trapped in, in ourselves. We need someone to set us free. We need to be saved. Jesus claims in verse 36 that this is exactly what he can do. He says, so if the Son sets you free... You are free indeed. He says, the one who commits sin is in bondage to sin. He understands what the bondage is. And he claims to be the one who is able to set us free. To put our heart and our life back in harmony with the one who created us. The Bible uses a lot of images to describe this change, the new heart and a new birth and a new creation. And, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. The old bondage is gone and our hearts are made new in a love for God. And we're free to do what is right because we want to do it. A new heart that delights in the things of God. You know, and then, and then abiding in Jesus' word, abiding in God's will, abiding in Christ, and it's not a burden, but our greatest passion and our greatest delight. Luther said this. This did make it somewhere. I'm under the third point there. Luther said to preach Christ is to feed the soul. It's to justify it. It's to set it free. It's to save it if it believes the preaching. The change that we're talking about, the change to freedom, and Jesus describes it here in the passage in verse 35. And he uses the image of a change from a slave to a son. Right? In 35, he says, the slave doesn't remain in the house forever. The slave's not a child. He's not a member of the household. But the son, the son remains forever. The son belongs. Right, he describes this change from a slave to a son, and he's talking about us in the household of God. Right? We think, just think of what the heart of a slave versus the heart of a son. Right? A slave does what he has to do. A slave done is what he does what he's forced to do. Right? Where the son, well, let's think of an, an adult or a daughter, a son or a daughter, and think of an adult son or daughter. Too often we go to just a childish image. But the son or daughter in the household of God, and there are adult children in his house. You know, the, the, the children of God, the child honors the father and mother out of love. Right? The child honors out of love, where the slave obeys out of fear. 
what we discover as children is heartfelt obedience, is freedom. Serving Jesus, honoring God, is not a burden as the world imagines it. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to church because they're just going to give me rules. Well, what we need first is a new heart. <laughs> you know, a heart to do what is right. And then they're not even rules. They're the things we get to do because they're right. They're holy because God is holy. It's the, it's the moral fabric of the universe as it was made and of my soul as it was created in His image. Romans 6, there in your bulletin, under the last point, thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, you've now become obedient from the heart. To the standard of teaching, you're abiding in my words that were committed. And having been set free from sin, he says, we have become slaves to righteousness in the sense that we're a slave to that which we love. If we obey from the heart, it's because it's what we desire. Sonship is the greatest image. Sons and daughters there in Romans 8, 14 and 15. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery. That's what we're being delivered out of, he says. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters of God. All right, let me just leave you with that image. Because this is the whole thing. When, when people write about Christian Liberty, Christian freedom. What are they talking about? Well, I can do this. Well, I, you know, I've got a list of things I can't do. So what exactly is the freedom? And the freedom is just this. It's the freedom of God's children in God's house. Right? That when we become sons and daughters of God, there is a safety. There is a security. There is a forgiveness. There is that love. There is that acceptance. There is that freedom and broadness to God's country that we, that we live in. Right? There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? The spirit of life has set us free from the law and the spirit of death. Right? The spirit of life has set us free. We're free from the past. You know, we're forgiven. We're cleansed and we're renewed. And the Father hands us a future full of hope and full of purpose. You know, we're, we're free to forgive. What we've experienced forgiveness. And now we live in the broad country of forgiveness. Where we experience it and we give it. We are free from our fear of circumstances. Because we have a God who is sovereign over all. Who is the creator. Who's made us in his image. Who's working all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, who have become part of his household. And so we don't need to fear what's around the next corner. God's working all things together. And I am set free from anxiety. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Make your request known to God and he will guard your heart and he will guard your mind and set you free. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. We have a father and we live in his house broad house free by God's spirit for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness we are we are free to love and to serve and to give ourselves away in a way that we couldn't before right it's right there in Galatians chapter 5 Paul says you were called to freedom brothers 
But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or for self-indulgence. But use your freedom through love to serve one another. Right? We're free to serve. Luther says, a Christian man or a woman, it's there in your bulletin, a Christian man or a woman is the most free Lord of all because he lives in God's house. He is an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ and he lives in the fullness of God's house. He is the most free Lord of all and he is subject to none, but at the same time, a Christian man or a woman is the most dutiful servant of all and he's subject to everyone in love free to serve free to give freedom is the ability to do what is right it's it's the ability to live a life that is pleasing to god it's the ability to abide in christ in his word paul says for freedom christ has set you free stand firm then and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery Right? Live as God's free men and women. Live in the freedom of God's house as His children. Because if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Pray with me. Father in heaven, as we think about Jesus' word, the freedom that is ours in Christ, the freedom from our sin, its penalty and its power, the freedom of the household that we enter into, the security that is ours, the forgiveness, the mercy, the love. Father, in so many ways, we do not understand the freedom that you call us into. You would set our hearts free by making us your very own children, that love would govern all. In our relationship with you, in our relationship with others, set us free by the good news 